everyone, it's Amiz here with this week's message, The Easy Yoke. Let us pray the collect for proper nine. O God, you have taught us to keep all our, your commandments by loving you and our neighbor. Grant us the grace of your Holy Spirit that we may be devoted to you with our whole heart and united to one another with pure affection. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Jesus said, Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Matthew 11, 28-30 Scripture offers us such antitheses. 2 Corinthians 12, 10 says, For when I am weak, then I am strong. Today's epistle, Romans 7, 15-25a, contains Paul's record of his inner struggle that the thing he wants to do, he does not do. And the thing he does not want to do is what he does. Jesus, the Prince of Peace, in Matthew 10, 34 says, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. Now, today's Gospel passage, Matthew 11, 16-19 and 25-30, ends with Jesus telling the crowds of Israel that his yoke is easy. Who would consider a yoke an instrument of control to be easy? Who would think that the yoke, an instrument that bruises and is heavy to support, could be considered light? Now, Jesus always chose his words carefully. What then could he have been thinking in telling his followers to take his yoke upon them and that it was easy and light? Perhaps it might help if we considered the definition of a yoke. According to the Oxford Concise Dictionary, a yoke is a wooden crosspiece that is fastened over the necks of two animals and attached to a plow or cart that they pull in unison. Let's now examine the parts of that definition. 1. Wooden The yoke is made of wood which offers rigidity. However, rigidity in today's world is almost an offensive term. Rigidity has been weaponized to attack the church for its stance on some contemporary debates. Rigidity has been demonized into an almost undesirable trait. Never mind that when we stand for nothing, we fall for anything. Rigidity is viewed as an attribute to shun. Yet, in this rigidity, there is stability for the animals being yoked. But, despite the rigidity of the wood, it is not the most durable of materials. It deteriorates more quickly than concrete, which has replaced it as the building material of choice in hurricane-prone climates, for example. In some contexts, steel has replaced it as the material of choice for roof support in construction. In all contexts, steel, titanium, and other metals have replaced it as the material of choice for tools. Therefore, 
What is this rigid yet degradable material which Jesus, the Son of the eternal and everlasting Father, is directing us to? Beloveds, my takeaway from this is that as rigid as wood is, it is not durable and needs frequent maintenance. 2. Crosspiece. The crosspiece is intended to straddle two oxen who must work in tandem to get the work done. If the animals move out of sync with each other, the wooden crosspiece will break, not lasting its intended life. The yoke, then, is intended to harness one animal to another, keeping them working together in moving through the land to be ploughed. 3. Fastened As silly as this seems to be in the context of oxen, I take the time to point out that the yoke must be fastened to the animals. They cannot do it themselves. Someone, the farmer, must fasten the yoke to the necks of the oxen so that they work together. 4. The necks The neck is a crucial part of the body linking the head, where the brain is, with the heart and the doing part of the body. If you reflect upon the anatomy of the human body, our heads contain the brain where the intellectual processing is done. The rest of the body contains those parts that facilitate movement, the arms, the legs, and houses the heart. The neck is that bridge between head and heart, between head and hands and feet. The yoke connects the bridge on one animal to the bridge on another. Five, attached to a plow or cart. The animals must be connected to something that allows them to move through the land. Them walking up and down the fields to be plowed will not do the job. No, they must pull something. They must be equipped in some way so that the plowing can take place. They must be equipped in some way to carry the load. They are attached, therefore, to a plow which churns the soil or to a cart which carries the load to be transported. Six, in unison. This is important, acting in unison. And so... We begin where we started, a cross piece that compels the oxen to move together in tandem, in unison, so that the work gets done by the two animals. If they do not operate in tandem, in unison, the yoke breaks and the work does not get done. Understand this, not only do the oxen work in unison with each other, but also with the farmer who must be close by to guide them along the way. Without the close supervision and guidance of the farmer, the oxen just might go astray. Wow! Who knew that in such a short definition there could be so many layers, right? So, to what end did I undertake to analyze the definition of this implement that is no longer the implement of choice of contemporary large-scale farming? Well... Do you recall that at the beginning of the season, the season after Pentecost, I shared that this is a season in which we are expected to go out into the field of work, to bring in the sheaves. The season after Pentecost is the church's season of mission, 
We spend the time from Advent to Easter receiving, being filled with the wonder of the works of God. On the day of Pentecost, we were reminded that the disciples received the Holy Spirit. And by this power, they were empowered to go to all nations and to the ends of the earth to do as Jesus had commissioned them in Matthew 28 and again in Acts 1. Now in this season, we are being sent into the field to do the work. As we prepared to launch into the field, we spent the past three weeks examining Jesus' commissioning instructions to the twelve in Matthew 9 and 10. Now, as Jesus coaches the crowds of Israel, no doubt with the twelve close at hand, he tells them, Be joined to one another as you go out into the field, for you cannot do it alone. Doesn't this sound similar to what he said to the disciples at the end of Matthew 9? Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest? In other words, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers, tis true. But in him sending out more laborers, note that you are to be joined to them, as we prayed in the collect for proper nine, so that we may be united to one another with pure affection through Jesus Christ, O Lord. It is on this note that I now bring it all together. Beloveds, the imagery of a yoke is deliberate and intentional. Isn't everything about our God this way? The material of choice of the yoke, wood, as I've already explained, is rigid, providing stability. Yet it is subject to decay. The rigidity of that yoke is the commandment to love, the unchanging nature of God's commandment to us. As we prayed in the collect, God has taught us to keep all his commandments by loving him and our neighbor. That rigidity, dear ones, is love. Not that the love itself is rigid, but the requirement to love is rigid. That does not change. That will not fade. Yet, in keeping with what I've already said, wood requires maintenance. It is for this reason we pray in the collect that all will be granted through Jesus Christ our Lord. Love, unless it is maintained by the grace of God's Holy Spirit, will fade. We, in our imperfect and sinful state, can never aspire to bear a love that is timeless, ageless, and unchanging. It is only by the grace of the Holy Spirit, with the intercession of Jesus Christ, that we can hope to be yoked to others in lasting love. If we continue in our individual lives and faith communities to look to God for the love we need to offer our brothers and sisters in Christ, then the word, the love, will be maintained. Next, there's the cross piece. The cross piece is the unity for which we strive. In love, we are joined to one another. Many of our prayers end with the words, We make this prayer through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you, the Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit. Romans 5 tells us that love has been poured into our hearts through God's Holy Spirit that has been given to us. The cross piece is our continual reaching out to the other in love, a continual reaching out that keeps us united by the grace of the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ. As I delayed the definition of a yoke, 
I mentioned that the yoke is fastened by someone, by the farmer to the oxen. Beloveds, the love which we offer is not ours. Rather, it is the love of the Father that has been poured into our hearts, which unites us to our fellow laborers in the field. The farmer, dear ones, is God, the Father, who pours the love into our hearts. I suppose it is for this reason that we must love freely, for the love that we have received from the Father is not ours to hold, but it is His that must be shared freely and readily with ours. In the definition, the cross piece is fastened to the neck of the oxen. So what's the neck? The neck is the grace of God, the grace of God's Holy Spirit that allows us to convert the intellectual message of God's love into the practical message of God's love. That conversion allows faith to be transformed into works. That transformation allows us not only to be hearers of the word, noting well that the heirs are found above the neck, but doers also. Noting well that doing the work of God necessarily involves the hand, feet, and heart, all of which are located below the neck. Note well equally, we cannot do this work on our own. It matters not how much we have read about love, unless that love is activated by the grace of God through the action of the Holy Spirit. At worst, we remain at the level of hearers of the word, and never graduate to the point of being doers of the word. At best, the works we do sustain paltry fruit. Once we have tapped into the ever-abundant grace of God's Holy Spirit, we access the equipping to go out into the field and do the work to churn the fields, to plow the fields, to plow the hearts of others and call them into reconciliation with God. Once we have tapped into that grace, we access the equipment, the cart, to carry the load, the brokenhearted, the sick, the orphans, the widows, the vulnerable, the prisoners, the destitute, and the forlorn. Beloveds, Saint Teresa of Avila prayed God has no hands or feet on earth but ours. I add it is by God's Holy Spirit that we are equipped to plow the fields and to carry the load of the world in which we live. We do not possess that on our own. It must be fastened to us as we go out. Hence the importance of baptism when we receive the Spirit and of weekly communion so that that capacity to continue the work is reinforced. Hence the importance of a discipline of prayer and worship that binds us to God and keeps us in step with his purpose for us. Finally, there are the concluding words of the definition in unison. Beloveds, the work of ministry was never intended to be done on our own. The unity of the Trinity provides the first example of that concept of teamwork. Jesus reinforced that example when, as he began his earthly ministry, he identified 12 who would help him. He further reinforced this when in sending them out into the fields, he sent them out in pairs. Finally, 
He reminded them after his resurrection and just before his ascension that he would be with them to the end of the age and that he would send this Holy Spirit, the advocate and guide to empower us. At this point, I ask, who is your partner in ministry? In prayer, in music, in evangelization, in visitation, in youth work, in works of charity. If you have no partner, I encourage you, as Jesus did the apostles, to pray to the Lord of the harvest that he will send you a partner for your ministry. Beloveds, let your ministry not suffer because you have no one with whom to carry out your ministry. Let your ministry not suffer because you have no one beside you praying for you or supporting you. Most importantly, let your ministry not suffer because you do not stay close to the master. The only way the work gets done is when we keep in step with the master. It is when we consider all that I have shared that we can appreciate why Jesus described his yoke as an easy yoke. This yoke is a yoke of love, the same love that bought us our salvation. This yoke enjoins us to Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This yoke enjoins us to one another. This love enjoins us to all creation. And while in this love there is pain, it is through love that we complete the work of the Lord of the harvest. Dear ones, I repeat the words of the Son. Take his yoke upon you and learn from him, for he is gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. God bless you in your ministry. God bless you with your partner in ministry. God bless you today and forevermore. Amen.